Hey folks, welcome to our audio podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or find video teachings and live streams, we are New Life AG Elmira over on Facebook and YouTube. And now let's join Pastor Paul for part nine of our series, Connect the Dots. God, we don't ever want to go through the motions of church without your presence. You're the one we came to meet with. God, you're the one we came to sing to. You're the one we came to worship. You're the one we came to hear from. And Lord, as we open your word, God, we know we're hearing from you. Your word is life. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. And if we allow it to today, it will penetrate to the very center of who we are. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to change us by your word. Come on, church. If you dare, between you and the Spirit of God, to invite Him to change you, not somebody else, but to change you by His word today, ask Him to do that. Spirit of God, change me by your word today. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated on the screen. Psalm 119, verse 18. We've been, we've been praying these verses before we jump into the Word. So I want you to say these with me out loud. It's on the screen. Here we go. These are prayers out of Psalm 119. And as we come into our time in the Word, this is our prayer. Ready? Let's do it together. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Psalm 119.34, here we go. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Amen. I pray that that is your prayer because it's not just that we're in church and by osmosis it gets inside of us. That's not how it works. That God would give us uh, understanding. He would open our eyes this morning. He would give us understanding, and then by His grace, by His help, that we would walk out His Word. We would be doers of His Word. Come on, is that your prayer? I want to be a doer of the Word of God. And so, if we're going to be a doer, then we got to engage in the Word this morning. And so, I encourage you to do that with us. Open your Bibles, boot up your Bibles, wherever your Bible is at. And uh, go to Matthew chapter 12. I'm in a series right now called Connect the Dots. And what we're doing in this series is that we are making sure we connect the right dots. If you connect the right dots, you get the right picture. Some folk, we've been saying this, some folk have a wrong picture of who God is. How can that be? Uh, because they have connected wrong dots somewhere along the way, and their picture of who God is and what He is like is, is, is a little twisted. And so we're connecting the right dots. If we connect the right dots, we get the right picture. If we don't connect the right dots, or if we miss dots that need to be connected, we, we get the wrong picture, and it produces frustration and doubt. And there are a lot of Christian people who are frustrated in their walk with Christ, as if, uh, I don't know, if it really doesn't work for me. It's not really happening like I read it in the Word of God, or like I see sister so-and-so, or, or, or whoever. Uh, and so sometimes Christians are frustrated, and the reason is that sometimes we've connected the wrong dots, or we have missed some dots along the way. So we've been doing this in two pieces, if you've been here. The first is more like a teacher thing. And what we're doing is we're going into the Old Testament and we are seeing how the New Testament and the Old Testament, how the dots are connected in the teaching that is in the New Testament. So we've been going into the Old Testament and we have been seeing Jesus in the Old Testament, which is an amazing thing. A lot of people think, oh, Jesus is just New Testament. He is prophesied. He is foreshadowed. The illustrations of Him are all through the Old Testament. And so those dots need to be connected. 
So we do that more in a teaching way. Then we shift gears to point two, which is we take a a principle in the kingdom of God, often a very well-known principle if you've been in the body of Christ for a while. They're very familiar things, but sometimes we got to make sure the dots are connected correctly so that we are not frustrated. I want to help us, myself included, avoid some frustration. Amen? How many of you think that's a good thing that we can avoid? Listen, we have enough frustration uh, in our daily lives. Amen. We need to avoid some frustration in the kingdom of God so that it's not confusing, that we're not connecting the wrong thing. So that's what we're doing in this series. So let's jump into the first piece, first point, which is always we're we're dealing with Old Testament and New Testament. Today, however, we're going to go to the New Testament first, and I want you to see something amazing that Jesus himself connects into the Old Testament. How many of you know the story of Jonah in the Old Testament? Jonah? Jonah, anybody? Jonah is most well known for the big what? The big fish, the big whale, right? That he got. How many of you saw recently on the news the dude who got, uh, who got swallowed um, and, uh, and survived it, swallowed by a big old fish and, and all of that? And so that's what he's most well known. Um, but we're going to go there in a few minutes. But um, the story of Jonah, if you've never read the book of Jonah, sometimes we just, oh, we caught that, oh, I know what Jonah's about because I heard it in Sunday school. The book of Jonah is only four chapters long, and it is amazing. And we'll talk about Jonah here shortly because most of us can relate to Jonah. Not because we've been in a big fish. Because we're whiners and we're powders. And Jonah, used powerfully of God, he was a powder. He was all pouting at the end. The chapter 4 of it is like, man, what is wrong with, with Jonah? He's just pouting. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes if, uh, you know, what's wrong with Jonah, then I remember that sometimes I do that. And, uh, you know, so it's like, thank you, Lord. You use Jonah, that means you can use me too. Amen. And so you are in Matthew, yeah, go to chapter 12. And uh, we're going to read something here, Matthew chapter 12. I want you to look at verse 38. We'll start right there. You ready? It says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees, so these are the religious guys, the, some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, that's Jesus, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. Stop right there. We want to see a sign. This sounds like modern day American church. Oh man, we just want signs and wonders. Just signs and don't, oh, I don't know the Bible and I'm preaching this thing again. I want just, I want to feel it. I want to have goosebumps. I want to roll around. I want, I want signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are great, but signs and wonders are meant to point to who? Jesus, and it's not for, oh, we just oh, the, love the feeling of it, and wow, that's so cool. It is cool, but it's meant to point to Jesus. And so they say, oh, show us a sign. Now, I, I want us to step back. We just read verse 38. It's just if you got your Bible or, or your phone there, just kind of scroll back a little, because I need you to catch the context that Jesus is about to say what he's about to say, because he's about to connect things, right? to Jonah in the Old Testament. So here's what's going on. Jesus has been going from place to place, preaching, teaching, doing miracles. Uh, If you're in, uh, just go to uh, like uh, the beginning of chapter 12. We're in chapter 12. Go to the beginning and and about verse 9, maybe you've got headings in your Bible. um, About verse 9, it tells of a miracle that Jesus does. He heals a man with a withered hand. All right, so that happened in chapter uh, 12, verse 9, for a few verses. He heals this man, but he heals him on the Sabbath. And he made the religious people mad. You can't do that on the Sabbath. And they had totally misunderstood Sabbath. They totally, totally, and, and it was all these man-made rules. And I'll tell you what, even in, 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 the, in the Jewish religion, even now, some people, oh, it's the same. No, 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 they have, they have so many man-made rules. And there's a ton of them about Sabbath. And, and so they're mad at him because Jesus happened to heal the dude on Sabbath. I mean, I'm guessing the dude was not upset. 
Amen. He's like, my hand has been healed. I don't care what day it is. This is a good day. And so they're mad at him for this. And so Jesus, it says, it kind of goes on, uh, verse uh, 15 and, and on, that Jesus withdraws from there. They're mad. He, and they're looking to, it says in verse 14, to destroy him. They're looking to destroy Jesus. And so he withdraws from there. And uh, look, look at verse 17 if you're there. And, 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 he, and he says that he tells them not to tell about the healing. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Right here are a few verses, by the way, where Jesus reaches back to Isaiah and he connects the dots to Isaiah. We're not dealing with those dots today, but it's amazing. Jesus reaches right back in his teaching and he reaches right back to the Old Testament and he pulls in uh, prophecy from 700 to a thousand years ago and he pulls that out he says I am fulfilling this right now and he connects the dots and so he, he, he kind of carries on with his teaching connecting some dots there uh, which is like verse 18 to 21 look at if, if you have your physical body or Bible there um, you notice that verses 18 to 21 they look a little different on the page and there's an easy way in most Bibles to tell when it is quoting from Scripture. Right? So if you're looking for like connections between the New Testament and the Old Testament, in your Bible, it is written differently. It's spaced differently. It's centered. Um, and because he's quoting from Isaiah 42, actually. Now, look at verse 22. This is our context. All of a sudden now, a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus. And Jesus does what? He heals him. Thank you, Jesus. He deals with the demon and he heals this man of his blindness and, and, and mute. He couldn't speak. Jesus heals him. And the Pharisees' response is, they are mad again. Yeah, they're mad. What do they do? If, if you read it there, we're not taking the time to read through all of this. They accuse Jesus of, of dealing with that, casting demon out by the power of the devil. Now, now interesting thing here. I'm not teaching on this right here, but, 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 but they're, they're, they're so upset that they accuse him of, you did that by the power of the devil. Jesus immediately slips into teaching two separate things immediately. And the first is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. In response to, because the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which is the unforgivable sin, he's dealing with the fact that a miracle of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, and they are attributing that to the devil. And Jesus immediately, in the context of that, he teaches on the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which is the unpardonable sin. All right, so he teaches this, and then he teaches, if you're, if you're kind of moving through your pages, he then teaches on a tree is known by its fruit. And he's talking about the Pharisees. They're going from mad to madder. They already want to kill him. They already want to destroy him. And, and so Jesus is he's doing these things, and, and they are upset. So verse 38, then, we just read, some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. Now that you know the context, what just happened? He just healed a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. And just before that, he healed a man with a withered hand, and these people step up and say, we want to see a sign. Okay. So, you want to see, you want to see something. Supernatural. Yeah, show us something. Okay. Jesus... He reaches back now into the Old Testament again. And he's about to connect some dots here. And he reaches back to the story of Jonah. And by the way, some people always say, oh, Jonah, that's not a real story. Jesus validates the, the story of Jonah. He's not making stuff up here. Well, that's impossible. Have you noticed there's a lot of impossible things in your Bible? 
Lots of people say, oh, creation, that, co- that couldn't happen that way. That's impossible. Well, if that's impossible, see, here, and here's the problem, you let the foundation like that be destroyed, and that's going to dawn on you that the virgin birth is impossible. So if creation is impossible, then maybe the virgin birth is impossible. Maybe the resurrection from the dead is impossible. There's lots of impossible things in the Bible. Uh, but you serve a big God, amen, who, who has the power to do impossible things. So if you're dealing with something that you think is impossible, that's all right. He's a big God. Amen. Amen. All right, so he, he reaches back now in response to this stupid question from the religious people. Now, religious people ask some dumb questions sometimes. <laughs> Amen. Yes, indeed. Right. And so watch what happens now. So we just, verse 38, we just read. Verse 39, here we go. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. Huh. It's an interesting statement. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet who? Jonah. Verse 40. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Verse 41. Watch what he says to them now. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, watch, something greater than Jonah is here. By the way, we've been talking about typology in the Old Testament. That is a typology phrase right there. Something greater than Jonah is here. He's referring to himself. Verse 42, the queen, watch, he shifts gears now and he goes to Solomon. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Again, he's referring to himself. Watch what he's saying. He's saying to these religious people, he's saying, when judgment comes, and you will stand before God and face judgment, when judgment comes, the men of Nineveh, that wicked city Nineveh, they they will stand and condemn you religious people of this day because they repented. Now the story of Jonah, without reading the whole thing, Jonah is going to come into the city. And he says that in 40 days, this place is going to be destroyed because of the wickedness. And these people repented from the king down. The whole city repented. And Jesus says they will stand and condemn you because they repented. And something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is here. You are in the presence of the Messiah. And you won't believe. Watch this. He knew. See, they didn't really want to see a sign. Their heart was hard. They weren't going to believe. Even if a hand got got healed, or a a demon-possessed person, or a blind person healed, or a mute healed. They were not going to believe. Their heart was hardened. And so he was speaking judgment to them. And, And so he said something greater. The queen of Sheba, she was wowed at the wisdom of Solomon. And she will rise at judgment and condemn you. Why? Because you are in the presence of the Messiah. And you're not wowed with the the, the Messiah. Uh, You are jealous of the Messiah. You are angry with the Messiah. And you want to destroy the Messiah. Wow. I mean, he just, again, he he is not a seeker-sensitive teacher. And I love that about him. Man, he just nail you right to the wall. Listen, because sometimes we need to be nailed to the wall. The American church always wants to be coddled these days. Tell me how wonderful I am. Tell me my seeker-sensitive, give me self-esteem tips. Tell me how great we all are. No, 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 let me just help us. I'll tell you how great your God is. And if you are in Christ, see, then you're tied to Him. Your, your life is in Christ. Our, our eyes are on who He is, not who we are. If the American church could just get this, we'd be much further along than we are right now. We're just consumed with us. We're so great. We're so wonderful. No, no. 
He's so great. And so, man, he, he nails the, the, the Pharisees right to the wall. And they are, they, man, they are mad. They, they perceive, uh, you know, because they're so perceptive that, that he's talking to them and about them. So he reaches to Jonah. So turn back to the book of Jonah. It's in the Old Testament. It's towards the end of the Old Testament. Listen, don't be afraid to use that little page at the front of your Bible and discover what page Jonah is on. Don't fake it. Don't fake it. Go find the book of Jonah. If it's very small, it's easy to go right on by it. Jonah. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing of Jonah. I encourage you to read all four chapters of it this week. And uh, it's, it's an amazing story. But you know how this goes. God calls him to go to Nineveh and preach, which Nineveh was that direction. And Jonah goes what direction? That direction. I'm not doing that. I'm going to do what I want to do. And God, you better go with me. Don't we live like that sometimes? I'm going to do what I want to do. Now, God, help me. God, bless me. God, protect me as I do what I want to do. And so Jonah goes that way, and he's in the, he's in the ship. An amazing thing that Jesus, or, or God brings a storm. And uh, he's sleeping in the boat, and man, the, the guys on the boat, they're chucking stuff over, because they're, they're, and they're trying to figure out who's the cause, and all this, and they do a little thing, and, and it, it ends up that Jonah is the reason for the storm, and so they're like, what are we supposed to do? And he says, throw me overboard. <laughs> and they do. They throw him overboard, and God sends a big fish, and it swallows Jonah. And in there, there's a prayer uh, in Jonah chapter 2, where Jonah is praying, and, uh, which is an amazing thing. There's a lot of similarities that really tie to Jesus that I don't have time to go into. But uh, verse 17 uh, says, chapter 1, verse 17 of Jonah, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the, uh, the belly of the fish. How long? Three days and three nights. Now, immediately, you and I, because we know the New Testament, if we're in the Old Testament and we read that, we think, hmm, that's an interesting amount of time. I've heard that amount of time somewhere before. Where did we hear that amount of time before? Jesus is in the, 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 the grave how long? Three days and three nights. I wonder if this is just a coincidence or a mistake. Or Wow, that's interesting. It's, it's not any of that. It is there on purpose. The author put it there on purpose. Which is always wild when you read stuff and go, man, who's the, the, the same author through the whole thing? He, he's laying it all out. And he puts illustrations in the Old Testament that will be brought out later. Right? And so, and so we, we see what, what goes on here. Look at verse 10. And the Lord spoke to the fish of chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 10. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Wow. What a sight. Woo! Kind of a stinky thing. Right? Amazingly enough, Jonah gets up, and what does he do? He goes to Nineveh because God kind of got his attention. Some, I'll tell you the truth. Some of us are in the process of God getting our attention. Why? So that we will come to the end of ourselves. Listen, uh, we, prophetically, I spoke this into this year. There are people who will finally be so sick and tired of doing it their own way that this year they will come to the end of themselves and say, I, I, I've, I've done this and I've just been going my own way. And they're finally going to try and do it God's way. They're going to surrender it. And okay, I give up. I will do it your way. But until you get to the, that place, you will continue to do it your way. And your way in the end leads to death, the Bible says. It leads to the other side of the road into the ditch, which is my testimony from ditch to ditch to ditch until finally I said, enough. Why don't we try this God's way? Some of you, you are in that. Why don't you try it God's way? Amen. I'll tell you, because he's getting your attention. He got Jonah's attention, and he went into Nineveh. And it wasn't a complicated message. He just went into Nineveh, and he said, 40 days, this place is going to be destroyed. They repented. Now, chapter 4 is where uh, Jonah now, they've repented, and Jonah's like, I knew it. Look, just flip over to chapter 4 real quick. Uh, there's a, 
Where is that verse? Uh, look at verse 2, kind of halfway through verse, verse 2. Uh, oh, wait, wait. Uh, and he prayed, this is verse 2, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste and I, I, I flee uh, to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Listen to him. I knew you would forgive them. And he's mad about it. Now, let me just help us, because sometimes we're that way. Because we, we, we just can't wait till the wicked are going to get it. Oh, baby. I'm going to love you now. I'm going to sweet. I'm going to say I'm praying for you. But in my head, I'm like, you are going to get it. Woo! One of these days, hmm, you're going to remember this conversation. Because you're going to get yours. And Jonah was like that. Because these people were wicked. And he had his own idea of justice. And God messed him up. And God forgave them. And he relented on destroying them. And now Jonah's sitting up there pouting. Because God didn't destroy them. Hmm. It's an amazing story. When the, there's, there's just there's so much in it. And, and I think one of the things that, that, that as we look for it, you know, what, what, what's in there? Because, again, I think we can relate to Jonah. I think all of us at times, we're like, I'll pref I prefer to do what I want to do how I want to do it. So I think we can relate. I think we can all relate, not just me, although you're not saying amen, uh, just me, that, that sometimes we pout and we whine. And so I can relate to Jonah. I mean, I, I feel bad for the, he's up there, he's like, he wants to die. He's suicidal because God forgave these people. God does this amazing, I won't tell, you can read it, it does this amazing little illustration just to prove, listen, I'm the one, I bring it, I take it, I'm the God over all of this. Uh, he, and he proves that to him. So, but, but in this whole book, well, what's the point of the book? We see the grace and the mercy of God. If we repent, he will forgive. Listen to me carefully. If you repent, he will forgive. If you repent, he will wipe the slate clean. If you repent, if you turn from it, you will be declared not guilty. And when you stand before God, there is nothing there. The book has been wiped clean, and you are not guilty before God. No matter what you've done, no matter how far you have gone, but you must repent. Amen. You must confess your sin and then turn away from it. And stop just confessing and continuing. You must confess and then repent and turn and go the other way. And if you repent, it will be wiped clean. Praise God. That is good news, church. That is, that's why we sing, by the way. That's what it's all about. And so we see the grace and the mercy of God in this story. But embedded in the story is a sign. That Jesus brings out that we just read in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus is pointing to his resurrection. Here's the connection, ready? Here's the dots being connected. Jesus reaches back into the Old Testament and he connects dots. Uh, kind of an obscure little detail in the book of Jonah. that jo How long Jonah was in the fish. And Jesus says, the sign of Jonah. And he says, just like Jonah was in the belly of that fish. For three days. You thought it was an insignificant detail. For three days and three nights, I will be in the belly of the earth. For how long? Three days and three nights. And he connects the dots. That, that, that time in the fish was an illustration that nobody understood it till Jesus connected the dots. We see this, remember, all through the Old Testament. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to read a verse I read probably a few weeks ago. So Jesus is pointing to his resurrection 
with this thing he's calling the sign of Jonah. So 1 Corinthians 15, I'm just going to read, start with verse 3. We've read this before, but I need to read it again because this is what the sign is. He says, verse 3, chapter 15, For I delivered to you, this is the Apostle Paul, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Uh, maybe you remember when we dealt with that. What Scriptures is the Apostle Paul talking about? The Old Testament. Okay? He's, he's preaching the good news right here by connecting it to the Old Testament. Verse 4, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with Scriptures, one of those Scriptures being the sign of Jonah. Right? Verse 5, and that he appeared to Cephas and then the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Watch what it says. Most of whom are, what? Still alive. Watch this. When he's preaching this, most of those people that saw Jesus with their eyes are still alive. This is not like some made-up story. He's like, he appeared to all of these guys and all these other people, and most of them are still alive. So if you don't believe me, go ask them. Though some have fallen asleep, some of them have died. Verse 7, then he appeared to James. Then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So the apostle Paul is saying, we're not just making stuff up here. He appeared to me. Jesus rose from the dead. Look, fast forward, 1 Corinthians 15. Look at verse 14. And if Christ, verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. This is how big the resurrection is, remember. Because if it didn't happen, then what we are doing right now is useless. This is for nothing. If he's just a prophet who died and was buried, just like the, the leaders of all the other religions, then this is nothing. This is a waste of our time. But the fact is, he is not still in the grave. Amen. He has risen from the dead. Look at verse 20. But in fact, I love that, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Just like the sign of Jonah, who was in the fish three days and three nights. Jesus was in the earth three days and three nights, and then he rose again. Praise God. And so this is the sign of Jonah. This is proof that Jesus is who he said he is. Why? Because he rose from the dead, just like Scripture said. And there's witnesses to prove it. Now watch this. The Pharisees knew these prophecies. They knew them. And they knew that Jesus said this was going to happen. That's why after Jesus died, remember they put him in the grave and they rolled the stone over, what did the Pharisees, the religious people, want done? They wanted the tomb sealed. Why? Because they recounted that these people said he's going to rise from the dead. So, so, and they were like, yeah, seal it however you want to seal it. They put guards there, but it didn't matter what they did to it. Nothing was going to stop what was going to happen on Sunday morning. Amen. There was nothing. You could have sealed it with uh, ten times what they sealed it with. There was nothing going to stop because this was prophesied in Scripture. It is the whole reason Jesus was sent. He was sent to live. He was sent to die. He was sent to be buried. And He was sent to be raised from the dead. Why? Because He is the Son of God. And so He broke out of that tomb on, tomb on Sunday morning. And this is all connected into the Old Testament. It was foretold in the Scriptures. Right? So there's the connection. So the connection, that's what we've been doing with point one. Taking Jesus, and He connects the dots to the Old Testament. And we see the same thread through Old and New Testament. We have the benefit of having both of them in our hands. So when we read stuff, remember we've, some of the ones that we've, we've done, I mean, you read these illustrations in the Old Testament and they make no sense until the New Testament. Where Jesus says, oh, oh yeah, remember that thing? That was, that was all about me. Which I love that. I love, I love, and they're just like, you know, they just had the head knowledge, and Jesus said, no, let me tell you what it was really about. It was really about me. Dots connected. 
Let's go to point two. We shift gears here because now we deal with a principle in the kingdom of God. Now, we've been dealing with some very well-known principles in the kingdom of God, things like faith, uh, peace, mercy, uh, standing firm, grace, freedom. Uh, Last week we did rightness or righteousness, and we made sure, although these are you know, kind of familiar words in the church world, we made sure that we are not frustrated by them. We made sure that the right dots are connected. We all need to have faith. Amen. And the Bible tells us how to get it. We got to connect the right dots or else we will be frustrated. So we're, we're trying to avoid some frustration. That's what we're doing here. Right? So, so we, we're going to take something here, and we are going to connect some dots. Now, we said this principle last time. We kind of had a little fun with it. Let's, we'll do that again. Because here, here's the thing that we're working. When the dots are connected right, in other words, when things are in order, they flow right, they work right when it's in order. Get the principle right there. you got to get that right. When it, it, when it is lined up correctly, when we have the right dots connected, it works right. There are things that just go together. And when they go together, they actually work even better when they go together. So in other words... Faith is awesome, but when it is tied to the Word, see, then it work, those two things go together. They are tied together in Scripture. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so there are things, and they work, work uh, t- together. So uh, I actually put this out online. A bunch of you sent me uh, a whole lot of different things. So we're just going to run a little test. Are you ready for a test? We'll have some fun. Right? Here's, here's a test. Things, and we know what goes together. Right? So finish these. You ready? First one. And we're going to do, we'll do this, we'll, we'll kind of age ourselves just for a second and uh, uh, see if you know how these things work. So, um, Starsky and Hutch, right? They work better together. They didn't have their own, sh- Hutch did not have his own show. Uh, Romeo and Although that didn't turn out so well. But um, Frodo and... Ah, we just, we just aged a few of us right there. Frodo and Sam. If you don't know who that is, you need to go watch that movie um, for real. Um, uh, here we go. Batman and... Because it works better together. Sometimes. So, so we've done... Macaroni works better with cheese. Chips work better with dip. Amen. Milk works best with cookies. Praise God. We're all, we're all hungry now. Uh, Tuesday works best with... Who said tacos? Tacos! Taco Tuesday. I mean, my goodness. Right? Things work better when they're connected. But, come on, say but. Sometimes we make bad connections. Sometimes we make bad connections that have become normal to us, and other people look at it and say, that's not normal. So some of you sent me some bad connections. Um, This is what we did last time. We dealt with a bad connection about being double-minded, right? Scripture tells us the connection between people who are double-minded and unstable in all their ways, and whatever they pray for, they don't get because it's a bad connection. Watch. So sometimes you, you sent me some things, um, um, and I don't know who these were from, but some people who normal to you is eggs with peanut butter, hot dogs with coleslaw. Yeah, I can see that. Tuna fish with pickles. Mm-hmm. Uh, chocolate chip cookies with ranch dressing. Popcorn with ketchup. That one's making, that one's making me sweat. I... Cereal with orange juice. Brownies with salsa. 
I'm, I'm guessing most of those happened by accident, just like the Reese's commercial, right? They happened by accident. Watch. And you think they're normal. But none of those are normal. I'm just saying. None of them are normal. But they're normal to you. One of those is normal to me. It's just like it's always been that way. And it's just normal. In fact, it, it, so like tuna fish and pickles, I mean, that's my childhood. And, and they just go together. And uh, tuna fish alone is like, huh, why bother? Right? And so it's normal to me and it's become normal. And others look at it and go, well, that's not so normal. So let's look at some bad connections that sometimes we make spiritually. And we think they're normal. In other words, we've made these connections and this is how we normally do it. But it's not the right connection. So it's frustrating us. And there are a lot of frustrated Christians because we, we make connections that shouldn't be made or we miss connections. And, and I've touched this before, but, but, but because I was getting ahead of myself. And so here, here's the first. Let me give you two examples of bad connections so we make the right ones. We make this bad connection that trouble is always from the devil. It is wrong to assume that connection. Now, I'm going to mess with your theology just for a second. You ready? Because if you go back to Jonah chapter 1, the storm that came was brought by God. It says that God hurled the wind in that sea and caused that storm. It is wrong to assume that trouble is always, difficulty, hardship, is always from the devil. Most of the time, it's from us. Amen. Now, we love to blame the devil. The devil is a liar, right? We love to, we love, oh, that devil. The devil, he's after me. Listen, maybe, maybe, we're just not making the right connections and living in obedience with the Word of God. And thereby, we have opened the door to the devil. And he is, he's the thief. He's like, sure, if you're going to leave the door open, I'm going to steal all your stuff. And so sometimes we don't make those connections and we're just like, oh my goodness, the devil. And so, so most of the time it is connected to our own choices. Sometimes, see, it deals with we live in a fallen world. Why do bad things happen? We live in a fallen world. Other people make terrible choices, and sometimes it affects us. Amen. Well, okay, so, so, so how does this play out? And so the, here, here's, the, here's the example that we're, we're dealing with this morning. How does this play out? It plays out in something, again, a lot of Christians trying to, try to they, they try really hard to miss this connection um, because the Bible says that I will rebuke the devourer for you. Do you know what, what, what that is in reference to? Nobody wants to say it out loud. I know, I know. God says, I will rebuke the devourer for you. Now, how many of you think that sounds good? See, I, uh, you all know where I'm headed because some of you are like, I'm not saying a word. Ain't going to do it. Nope. In fact, yeah, okay. So, <laughs> I will rebuke the devourer for you. It is found in the book of Malachi. Oh, now we're connecting dots. In the book of Malachi... They're cheating God. In the beginning of Malachi, they're supposed to bring offerings, and they're bringing the crippled and sick lambs. And God is saying, would you even dare give those to your governor, but you're bringing me that? And he goes on to say, and then he gets to Malachi, what most people think the whole book of Malachi is about. It's really not just about tithing. It's about the lack of the fear of the Lord. Come on, amen. And so they spoke against God and said, oh, it's useless to serve you. I did all of this, and then all of this happened, and what good was it to serve you? And God said, you have spoken harshly uh, to me. And he speaks very strong, but just before that, he said, you're stealing from me. 
And they didn't connect the dots. They're like, how have we stolen from you? And he has to connect the dots. What does he connect? Does anybody remember? In tithes and offerings. And so he tells them, he, said, so he connects the dots for them and, 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 and speaks of, of, of judgment. He speaks of curse. And he says, well, so here's the right connection. And he says, bring the whole tithe. If you know, tithe, by the way, means what? 10%. Watch this. It, it means the first 10% of everything God blesses. It is our privilege, our joy, and our honor to bring it to him. Not give it. It's not mine to give. Everything I have belongs to God. And we all said, Amen. come on, listen to me. Everything you own belongs to God, doesn't it? Yes. Now that's so easy to say, but the practical outworking is like, huh. Because if God says, go give that to them, we'll be like, but wait a minute, that's mine. Do a little creepy whisper right there, right? That's mine. See, we've got to get ownership settled. And so he said, bring the whole tithe in the, into the storehouse, Malachi 3.10. And, and so he promises not only to release blessing, and blessing is way more than money. See, this is the thing a lot of Christians don't connect. It affects every area of your life. Listen to me carefully. Tithing affects every area of your life. Listen to me carefully. Look at me. The church does not need your money, and God does not need your money. God wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. Amen. Oh, we should have said amen a little louder than that. Get Christian television and those crooked ways off your mind. That's not how it works in most places in the kingdom of God. God is trying to bless our lives more than money. He, watch Listen carefully. When you get it in order, it will work right. And there's a whole lot of Christians who are frustrated like it never works right. It doesn't flow right. It doesn't flow right because right from the top, you've got it out of order. And when it comes to financial stuff at the top, the first part is God's part. He says it's the holy part. It is mine. You bring it to me. And when you get that in order, everything else flows right. And then he says, not only that, but I will rebuke the devourer for you. I will protect your stuff. And it is true. I will protect your stuff because you trust me and you are acknowledging that it's all mine and you trust me. Well, wait a minute. No, Pastor. I, I'm just I'm going to call the deliverance team and have them rebuke the devourer for me. Good luck. It ain't going to work. Look at me carefully. Don't, don't, don't be trying to rebuke the devourer when you're not tithing. God says, no, no, no. I'll do that for you when you tithe. Connecting the right dots makes all the difference. Because there's just things, and there's a lot of frustrated Christians who will fight you over tithing, but things just, nothing works right. Pastor, nothing works right. First question will always be from my mouth. And, and people just don't like that. That's all right. Are you tithing? Well, no, but God understands. When it, it's lined up in the right order, it works right. Those dots are connected. Here's another one. Sometimes people connect the dots of their salvation, and their salvation, watch this, is connected through someone else or through something else in other words their salvation is tied to someone or something other than Christ alone you say how could that happen I've listen in 24 years as a pastor I have seen this more times than I care to remember 
People whose salvation is tied to somebody else. Listen, I've, se- I've seen uh, just groups of teenagers working in youth ministry. Man, people loving God, serving God, and then somebody begins to fall away who's a leader in that group, and they fall away, and then the next falls away, and the next fall, and pretty soon everybody's just falling away. Why? Because their salvation was tied to other people. It was tied to their friends. And when their friends fell away, they fell away. Sometimes it's tied to family. Maybe it's tied to our spouse, our our husband, our wife, our parents. Lots of church kids are trying to ride the coattail of their parent into heaven. You can't get into heaven because God knows your parent. Amen. You got to have your own relationship with Jesus Christ and Him only. If it is tied to someone else, then you are sure to fall away when they fall away. Some of y'all, you know what it means to have to pursue God when your spouse is not pursuing God. Your salvation is not tied to your spouse. We sang a song this morning from probably my childhood. I have decided... To follow Jesus. How many of you, when that came on, yet was familiar to do? I have decided to follow Jesus. Watch this verse. Though none go with me, what? Still I will follow. Listen to me. If all of you walk away from God, I am not walking away from God. And that ought to be your attitude. If everybody in your house walks away from God, I don't know what you're all doing, but I'm not going to go to hell. I will follow God even if none of you do. If everybody at work, if everybody at church gets all off track, I will not. I will follow Jesus Christ until the day I die or He returns. And it don't matter what you do because my salvation ain't tied to you. Amen. And you ought to have a little attitude yourself and say, Pastor, my salvation ain't tied to you. Amen. I'll just shout for you and say, praise God. It shouldn't be tied to me. It's tied to Jesus and Jesus only. If it's tied to someone else or something else, you will be frustrated and you will be let down. See, sometimes it's tied to to all sorts of things. It can be tied to our emotions. There's so many, well, I'm going to serve God as long as he makes me happy. Well, this isn't fun anymore. It's not tied to our emotions. God never promised happy, happy, happy. In fact, he promised in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. He says, I have overcome the world. I don't don't feel like it. See, sometimes we, I mean, you remember, anybody, you, you remember the, as long as you're talking about Old Testament Bible stories, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Bow down. And they said, nope. Fiery furnace. Nope. And then they said this. Our God will deliver us, but even if He doesn't. Ooh. Even if God doesn't do what I want Him to do, I will still follow. Why? Because He went to the cross and He died for me. Ain't nobody ever done that for me except my God. And so even if He never does another thing for us, praise God, we will still follow Jesus. Sometimes people's salvation is tied to their circumstances as long as everything goes good. I will. Or, watch this. Sometimes we have a habit that we only pursue God when everything's going bad. Some folk, it's tied to good. If it's going good, then praise God. I'll praise you, God. I'll be all happy. I'll serve. I'll give. I'll tithe as long as it's going good. If it gets difficult, I'm out. Which, by the way, is the parable of the sower. Remember the parable of the sower? Some of the seed fall on the path, some among the rocks, some among the thorns, some on good soil. The seed that fell among the rocks, the Bible says, man, it springs up. They received it with joy. But as soon as trouble came, they fell away. That's what that is. But for some folks, it's the other opposite. If life is good, then I slip into neutral... But if I'm in crisis, I run to God like nobody's business. Maybe I'll come to prayer meeting. 
I'll tithe then. I'll serve then. I'll worship then. I'll read my Bible then when I'm in trouble. Now listen, if I was God, which I'm not, if I was God, if that's all that kept me pursuing God, logic says, keep you in trouble. Well, if you're only going to pursue me when you're in trouble, then welcome to trouble. Can I just say, sometimes God is trying to get our attention. Listen, so we, we, we get to the place, God, I'll follow you no matter what. I'll follow you on the best day and the worst day. And that's not just words. God, I actually mean that. I'll follow you if it goes well or doesn't go well, if I feel like it or don't feel like it, if I think it works out like I wanted or it doesn't work out like I wanted. Maybe it worked out the opposite of I wanted. But I will still follow you. I will still live for you because there is no one. Remember when Peter and the disciples were asked and Jesus gave that hard teaching about eat my flesh and drink my blood? And everybody left. People were like, man, that's hard teaching. And he looks to them and he says, are you going to leave too? You remember what they said? He said, where are we going to go? No one else has the words of life. Listen to me. Where are you going to go? No one else has the words of life except God. And even if it gets hard, and I, I don't mean this as doom and gloom, but the Bible tells us the last days are about to get hard. Child of God, you've got to get this settled. I serve you, God, no matter what. No matter what the cost is. I'm not playing church. I'm not playing this thing. I will serve you. Because where else will I go? You only have the words of life. Let me end with, I'll just bullet point four verses up on the screen. Because I need you to make sure you have the right connection. This whole thing that we're doing here, this is not like a hobby. This, this, is, a, this is a life of living for Christ. We have, we have surrendered our lives. And so salvation has to be tied to Christ alone. Here we go. On the screen, John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way you and I are getting to heaven. Philippians 2, 9-11 says this, Therefore God has highly exalted Him, Jesus, and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of what? Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Watch this. I've preached this before. Every knee will bow someday. My advice to you is it should be now. But he said, even those under the earth... When they stand before God, their knee will bow and they will confess, yet their eternity will be in heaven because they missed their time on earth to make the decision to be born again and to live for Christ. But it's the name of Jesus. It is only tied to Him. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Pretty clear. I mean, he's just like, 2 Corinthians 5.10. Here we go. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And either our name is written in the Lamb's book of life or it is not. He's not weighing good works. He's not weighing how much money you gave. He's not weighing how many things you served in in the church. He's weighing your heart. Whether you are born again. Whether you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Now all those other things and the works, they become a part of a life that is surrendered to Christ. But it deals with salvation. And we will all stand before Him. And I will not be able to say, listen, God, you know me because you know my dad. You know my dad, right? 
My dad was a pastor for a couple years. God, you know me, right? I, I was in, did this and did that. I was a part of that, and I, I went to that church and, 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 and these people. And You must be, you personally must be born again. The right dots, if the wrong dots are connected, the picture is all messed up. People end up living in religion with no life to it, because it's connected to other things. you got to unhook your relationship with Jesus Christ from anyone or anything else. And it must be in Christ alone. Why? Because then it works right. Because it's in the right order. Let me say it again as we close. If you get it in the right order... It works right. If it's in the wrong order, it's not working right, and it will not work right. And you will be frustrated. And it works that way with every principle of the kingdom of God that we have dealt with. If you get it in order, it will work right. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. I'm just going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Ask the Holy Spirit right now what He's wanting to do in your life. We're going to sing a song in just a moment. Those of you who are online, in just a moment, we're going to let you go before we sing the song. But right now, before we move forward, Holy Spirit, I invited you when we started to change me by your word. I gave you permission to speak to me. And God, I don't want to be in this room and close my ears and ignore you and your word. I don't want to go out of here and keep doing it like I've always done it, God. You're helping me to connect the right dots. I see it. I hear it. Now, I'm asking now for your help, your grace, to put this into practice. I need to get it in order. First and foremost, if you're in this place or if you're at home online, have you been born again? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? I'm not asking if you, if you go to church. I'm not asking if you know God is real. I'm asking, is there a day when you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? The Bible says that if we believe in our heart that He died and He rose again, He's coming back, and if we confess with our mouth that He is our Lord and our Savior, the Bible says, then you will be saved. Is there a day that you have done that? I mean, for real. If not, then let today be today. Or maybe you did that somewhere along the way, but along the way, you just kind of slipped out of gear and began to do things your own way. Listen, let today be the day of your return into a relationship with a loving, living God. So if that's you, we're going to pray right here. And right there at your seat or right there at your house, you can pray this. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for dying for me, Jesus. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I confess my sin and I repent of my sin. Come and live inside of me. I surrender my life. I put my trust in You. Jesus, save me. Listen, if you prayed that and you meant that from your heart, something amazing happened. The Bible says that the slate of all your sin that has been being recorded has now been wiped clean. Ooh, that's good news. And you have been given the gift of eternal life. And when that day comes, you will go from this life into the presence of God instead of from this life into hell. That is also good news. If you prayed that, listen, before, before this day is over, I encourage you to tell some people, I gave my life to Jesus today. 
If you're in the room at the end of the service, come and see me. I want to pray with you and make sure you have some things that you need to get started because your adventure has just started. Everyone else in the room, God, we ask for your grace. We need your help to keep things in order. Come on, ask him, church. Maybe there's some things out of order. Maybe something we didn't even talk about this morning, but the Spirit of God began to speak to you about something and saying, this is out of order. Get it in order and it'll work right. Connect the right dots and the picture will be right. Father, in Jesus' name, we prayed out of Psalm 119 before we started that you would open our eyes so we could see it. You would give us understanding of it but then you would help us to observe it, to do it. We want to be doers of your word. So Lord, in Jesus' name, we ask for your grace as we walk in obedience. This song is called In Christ Alone. It's all tied to Jesus, church. It's all tied to Jesus. Our walk is tied to Jesus, unhooked from other things. Come on, he's offering, he just, let you just hear that. He's just, he's offering grace. You can't do it in your own strength. So just ask for help. I've tried that before, I've tried. God, I ask for help as I shift the order and I walk in obedience to you.